Valley Real Life. Well, first of all, welcome you. Uh, those of you in the room with me, I'm so glad to be with you. And those of you watching online, I am blessed uh, by your ministry here at Valley Real Life. It is good to be back here. It is even better to be back here in a time in which the weather is fantastic because back in Phoenix, it ain't fantastic, okay? If you guys have been on this journey with me, I often complain about how cold it is, but now I want to brag on you and say how wonderful it is. And so I'm so happy to be with you. I love your church. I love your pastor. Uh, I should say I love your Iron Man pastor because he's doing Iron Man. So it is good to be with you. And I love this series that you're in because we're talking about the Spirit of God. We're talking about the Spirit of God and what He does, what happens when the Spirit begins to take over and begins to engage in our lives. And so I'm so excited about that. So before we begin, I want to talk about something that I really love, though. I, I love sports. I love sports. And one thing that I even realized how much I love sports was when we were in all at home watching documentaries about sports dynasties. And sports dynasties are those professional or collegiate organizations that have a dominant winning tradition. You know, I don't know what your jam is. I don't know if the Cowboys are your jam. I don't know if the Lakers are your jam. I don't know if the Dodgers are your fans. I don't know if the Celtics are, well, the Celtics, I, I still, the Warriors, they're on their way. I don't know what your legacy is or what team you admire so much to where that's my jam, that's my team. I celebrate that dynasty. But one thing about dynasty that's so intriguing to know because every dynasty has that challenge has that moment, has that situation, that setback, that struggle, that adversity that they overcome. They go through these moments. And one of my favorite sports documentaries occurred for the Chicago Bulls. It was The Last Dance, Michael Jordan. And Michael Jordan had to overcome so many great things. You don't know who Michael Jordan is? Just look at your shoes, okay? That's who Michael Jordan is. I know I'm dating myself, but Michael Jordan, he did play basketball. He, he is everywhere. Jumpman is everywhere. And so you see these kind of things, and I love the adversity they all went through. All these organizations, the Bulls went through, they had to overcome the Pistons. But it's just not sports dynasties that I enjoy. I also enjoy another dynasty, another dynasty that's even bigger than it, has a bigger impact on our world, a bigger impact on our culture. And what we're talking about is the church. The church is a dynasty, and we're going to talk about something that often we don't like to talk about, and that is the word unity. Now, I don't know what kind of things circle in your mind or in your heart or in your soul when you hear the word unity. We have a really weird relationship with that word, right? We feel like we're going to lose something if we're unified, and it, it, it's just like something that happens in our lives where we're kind of just like, what do we do with this? How do we begin to uh, have that kind of unity in our lives? See, it's often that we see these things. The church is a dynasty and the church is dangerous. Dangerous in a way that it could impact our culture, our world and in incredible ways. See, Christ followers... I don't know if you knew this. If you look at history, Christ followers have influenced every positive aspect that we enjoy today. 
You realize that the church was the one that said the children matter. The church is the one that said that life is matters. Life is valuable. The church is what brought hospitals and education. The church was a champion for women. That's what the church had historically because prior to that, women didn't matter. Children didn't matter. Education didn't matter. Care didn't matter. The church was the one that influenced the culture and said this matters. We forget that, right? Because we take it for granted. The church was the very body of believers influencing the culture. Art, music, architecture, perspective was, came from the church. And even in the face of real persecution, the church still was making an incredible impact. The church has historically been the biggest influence. They were different and they were dangerous. So the title of the message today is The Forgotten God, The Spirit Unifies Us. See, the title of our message series has been The Forgotten God. And today we want to talk about what the Spirit and how it unifies us. And we're going to talk about that word united. We're going to talk about being unified. And we're going to fight against what we tend to do when it comes to seeing these words. Because the Spirit, as we already learned, it challenges, it transforms us. It, it is because of the Spirit, God, we can overcome adversity. We can make a difference. We can have that kind of impact. And being united, if we're real honest with ourselves, if being, we, we think about it, we don't like that pill. Because now we're in a culture where it's us and them, for or against, fight, we're going to lose, we're losing, we won, we lost. It's, it's different, but there's also an incredible opportunity. And the church, unfortunately, is going along and following suit with the culture. And what I want to challenge you with today is that we should be influencing culture. See, the church is dangerous. And here's a statement I want you to capture. The church at its best is not a reflection of culture, but rather countercultural. It's countercultural. See, you see that dynasty I spoke of just a minute ago. You know, prior to the church, life was, wasn't what it was going to be. Life was not valuable. People didn't see life of that, but the church was countercultural back then. And, and Valley Real Life, the church could still have that counterculture impact. The church realize that it could change society. What we consider the norm today was not the norm yesterday. And what a great thing for us to realize because the Spirit does all kinds of wonderful things. It directs, it empowers, it equips, it teaches. And today we're going to talk about how it unifies us. So let's dive deeper into this unity thing. I love what Paul said to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 through 13. The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, and some are free. But we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. See, I'm still waiting for that Surgeon General warning that should be displayed every time we get on social media or on the internet. We do need a disclosure, right? You do know it's messing you up, right? I'm not trying to be the get off my lawn guy right now, but I'm telling you, it does influence you. I wish the Surgeon General would have something like this. The product you are about to use may cause anxiety, insecurity, and negative feelings and perspective that may be hazardous to your mental health. Just have that little disclosure. Amen. Just so you know. 
I'm not saying don't use it, but it should be something we should do in moderation. But when you're thumbing through things, you're being influenced. We get this really warped representation of reality. We get this warped perception of what's happening. We begin to think about things. And here's the words that may go through your mind. Maybe it's just me, but I think some of you are crazy just like me. And it's okay. We can be crazy together. But these words that kind of come in your mind, the words like all and everybody. All people think this. Everybody think this. The one thing that happens when you're looking at things on social media, you begin to think like what you just read is representative of everyone. And that's far from the truth. Those things happen. You begin to see others who don't agree with you. And you begin to see things as less because you don't agree. You begin to see all people that. So they become the other and they become your enemy. And this happens in the church. You see a friend who you thought you knew post something that you didn't like. And so now they become the other and that's what it does. That's not unity. So fasten your seatbelts for a moment. I'm about to say something, a little turbulence, and it's okay because I'm going to be gone soon. And... <laughs> but let's talk about the other. Let's talk about those other pastors you listen to. No, not the church. You know that pastor on CNN or Fox News that you listen to? You know what I'm talking about. I know you're all looking at me all mean now. I'm sorry, but email me at dan.shields at... <laughs> But are you letting CNN or MSNBC or Fox News or are, is that your pastor? Is that your pastor? Are you learning or taking your cue from them? See, I want you to understand that the all and everybody is a dangerous place to be. Now, let me get a little more. Let me shake the car a little more. Democrats, Democrats, not every Democrat wants all your money and wants to take away all your freedom. Believe it or not, newsflash, Republicans, they're not all racist and oppressive. Not all Republicans are racist and oppressive. So you guys, okay, you still with me? You can jump out of the car yet? Okay, no one's leaving. <laughs> they're all and everybody's a dangerous place to be. Those Democrats don't want all of your money. They don't want to take away all your liberty. Those Republicans aren't what you may be sensing when you see on social media. This is not unity. But here is my point. The body of Christ has many hearts. The body of Christ has many different shades and different things, but when it is unified, when it gets beyond their differences, it is dangerous. It makes a huge and it changes everything. It could be the greatest. It is the greatest influence in culture. Now, imagine a body that is just now starting to realize it's a body. You ever watch a baby? You know, a newborn where they're starting to figure out that they, they, they begin to scratch themselves. They begin to pick at their eye and their ears. And they begin to watch them different things. They pull their ears. They hurt themselves. And, oh, wait, I could chew on this. You know, it's, it's fascinating to watch them. But think about this. A baby eventually and fortunately will stop putting their finger in their eyes. They'll stop eventually. They'll stop realizing, ow, oh, that hurts. They begin to grow. They begin to realize that they are a body, that they can crawl, that they can stand, that they can talk, that they can run, that they can jump, that they can hear, that they can see. The body begins to realize that it's more than just hurting itself. The body of Christ is meant to run and to crawl and to hear and to see and to make a difference, not bicker and complain and hurt itself. When we realize we're a body, we make a difference. We could do all kinds of things. The body of Christ doesn't need to poke and pull and hurt itself. The baby realizes it 
is a body and it has a greater purpose. It stands. It begins to do great things. Imagine the body of Christ standing up for the marginalized. Imagine the body of Christ deciding that they're going to speak up and hear and be an advocate. Because historically, that's what the church was doing. And that's what church is called. It rescues. It advocates. It's dangerous because the church is called to be unified and to be countercultural. Think of an orchestra. So maybe you checked out because you don't like sports. Think about an orchestra. A huge collaboration and collection of different instruments all gathered together, creating a wonderful sound. Created this thing, and in that wonderful sound, you can look up the stage and you see that some are loud, some are bigger, some are smaller, but together when they're unified, it is beautiful. It is incredible. But imagine if the bass player decided to say, nah, I don't want to play. Something would seem a little bit off. What if, the, what if the, the horn session decided, you know what, we're better than the tremble section? It, it, would, it would feel kind of off. See, you sense something off. And when I think of an orchestra, I think of the beauty of when we're all serving together. When we're all serving together. When you're not serving, you're like that person in the orchestra who's not playing an instrument. You're called to be a participant. You're called to be a part of the orchestra. It is a beautiful thing when everyone is serving together, making a beautiful sound. Valley Real Life, you're doing some incredible things. And those of you who are serving, you're getting it. For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. That's what we're called to do. That's what unity. Christianity, newsflash, is not a spectator sport. You don't watch Christianity. You participate. You make a difference. It's hard for us to imagine a world where Christians were counterculture, I know. The world, the world is, is just a different place now. And you think about these things. Christians were countercultural. They did things. People looked at them, the followers of what the historically we call followers of the way. They were different. People would say, like, who are these Christians? They're different. They love, they advocate, they make a difference. They, they do something that's different from everyone else. There's something strange about those Christians. That's what people would marvel about. That. Speaking of Marvel, I also love Marvel comics. I have a problem. Pray for me. It's an addiction, really. But I love Marvel. But I notice deep truths in Marvel, each movie. One of my favorite lately is Captain Marvel. And she has a cool line that's said by Carol Danvers. And it's just at the end of the movie, and it's just something that's so fascinating. She said this towards the end. I'm not going to spoil it for you. I really want you to watch it. But she says this. I've been fighting with one arm behind my back. But what happens when I am truly set free? Church, we've been fighting with one arm behind our back. Because we're not unified. Because we're not together because we're not allowing the Holy Spirit to be our strength, to be our foundation, to be our breath, to be our energy, to be the point in which we are called to be. The Holy Spirit sets us free. We need the Holy Spirit. We can't will ourselves. We can't try harder. We can't try to pull ourselves with our bootstraps. We have to depend on the Holy Spirit. We are broken. We acknowledge our brokenness. 
And that's a great place for us to be in our brokenness. I believe that God says, okay, now you're getting, you realize you don't have it figured out. There's a great read. If, you, if you're a big reader, I, 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 love, I love books. I love to read. I like to read things about this, but it's like, I, I believe there's an incredible opportunity for us to learn when culture is, is, is not our, 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 our benefit, but it's our opportunity. And it's just a, a wonderful thing. And it's a book called Bullies and Saints. It talks about the history of the church as it relates to our history and in our culture. And here, I'm going to sum it up for you. The church was at its best when things were at the worst. And the church was at its worst when things for the church were at its best. When the church had power, we misbehaved. When the church had that kind of clout and was running things, we misbehaved. But when the, church, when the culture was a mess, the church stepped up. The church saw the opportunity. When people were really losing it in a newsflash, things are kind of crazy right now. We have an incredible opportunity to be the church. Because we are broken, we are flawed, but we are useful and we are redeemed. We are broken when we realize we don't see the value in the other parts. You know, it, it's, it's realizing that we are meant for so much more. And we see and we focus about our differences. We begin to, to doom scroll or troll. Even like, who am I going to be mad at today? You know, you're flipping through your remote control watching. You're getting more and more upset about who you disagree with or who you're upset with. But we begin to minimize God and we begin to minimize what we're called to be. We don't see beyond our differences. We don't see the orchestra. I love what Father Greg Boyle, he's a Jesuit priest and founder of Homeboy Industries in East Los Angeles. He has an organization that ministers to the gangs in East LA. He's asked in God, is God, very often people come and visit him and they begin to ask, is God conservative? Is God conservative or is he liberal? Again, we're so reluctant, but think about this. I love his answer. He goes on to say this, suppose if God is conservative or liberal, but I think that's the wrong question. Instead, we should ask, is God expansive or tiny? Is God spacious or shallow? Is God inclusive or exclusive? What are the chances that God holds the same tiny point of view as I do? I mean, think about it. Is God in, in heaven saying, gosh, who, who should I vote for today? Is that God? Is God really pondering those kind of things? Yeah, I need to really pay attention to this election. Does, is that really, do you think, does God really care about that? And we can talk about that again another time, maybe in the, in the, in the lobby, or maybe you can write something in the chat. But we often want to make God small. God is bigger. The body is bigger. Every part of the body is useful. The church has a wonderful way of making an impact and being what it's called to be. So let's grow. Let's grow. Let's grow up and look out. A baby needs to grow up. A baby needs to be. We're not designed to be a baby always. We have to be up. We have to realize that we're often about growing and being more impactful. The Holy Spirit is seeking unity, seeking peace, seeking a moment for us to realize what we are called to be. I love this what it says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 3 through 6. Make every effort to keep yourselves united. 
in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body and one spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all who is over all, in all and living through all. If that doesn't scream unity, I don't know what does. We're dangerous. The church is dangerous. If the church is unified, then you see that there's liberty. You see that there is love. You see it. you've been set free. You're given a greater vision. You know, side note, this isn't in my notes, but I want to share it with you. You're champions. Think about every time you see a commercial, how about political and that, that political party or that person is telling you how awful things are going to be if you don't vote for them. Think about that for a moment. You're still here. You survived it. Remember those doom and gloom ads? If you don't vote for me, your kids are going to die. Your dog's going to die. Your lawn's going to die. Your house is going to die. Everything you hold dear in your heart is going to be gone. Yep, you're here. You know why you're here? Because God is still on the throne. God is still here. And God's not worried like, oh, no, that proposition went through. What am I going to do, Gabriel? Oh, my goodness. They didn't vote for that. Oh, my. God's like, I'm still God. I'm still good. You are still here. The Holy Spirit is active and alive. Now, peace is also countercultural as well. See, what if, I, what if we have more love and more peace and unity what if we depend on the Holy Spirit for our prompting? It would change everything, and it would be dangerous. Dangerous because culture is no longer influencing the church, but rather the church is influencing culture, showing the culture what really matters. Being different. Dangerous because it's attractive more than just being in the moment. Make every effort. Make every effort. One body and one spirit. One God and Father of all who is in all and through all. God's children should be the most secure people on the planet. They shouldn't be used, be able to be influenced by fear tactics. Because they're God's child. If you are a Christ follower, if you're watching right now online, you are a Christ follower. You should not be threatened. You should not be scared because God is with you. He is for you. He has always been there for you. So here it is. The world is just the world. But after the world, eternity with God is what your destination is. We should be that. God's love for us. In the room with me right now, the cross you see over on your right, that cross is similar like what is done. It was complete. It was finished. It showed that you already won. That's what God did. Imagine the politicians trying to work from that. If you vote for me, I don't care. God is voting for me. That's what we're called to be. That's what the unity, it changes everything. It changes how we see ourselves when we truly see ourselves the way God sees us, both vertically and we see others horizontally, it changes everything. Pastor Dan loves you all. I love Pastor Dan. I knew, like I said before, I knew him before he was, before he was famous. Okay, he's a great man, great leader. And some of you have always come down and visited me in Phoenix, and, and often I, I like to heckle because we go way back. Like I said, I know him before he was a superstar here. Um, I take pictures of you when you come. So you'll come and visit me in Phoenix. I'll take a picture and I'll text it to Dan, probably while he's preaching. And I, I, Dan always loves you. He loves you so much. He always responds immediately with, you can't have them, you know. <laughs> he loves you and he brags about you. But he brags about you because of the abilities that you all possess. The way that you invest 
into Valley Real Life, the way you invest into kingdom work, the way that you're making, your talents you have been given. It's cool to see all of those gifts on display. It's a privilege to be a part of that. But there's another aspect that comes when we've been looking as we think about this this series because God is looking for those kind of moments. God is looking for those kind of things. The Spirit of God is looking, searching, looking for those hearts who are fully committed to him. 2 Chronicles 16 says this, the eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. Hebrews 4.13 says that God sees everything. Nothing is hidden. The potential of his children of God, not to be distracted by our differences, but desires of God be glorified. What a wonderful place to be. Specifically when we see God doing incredible things. You know, we don't talk about Joseph enough during Christmas. But one thing I really admire about Joseph, because Joseph, when the husband of Mary, it's so fascinating because you see God prior to Joseph's interaction with Mary. You see God in the Old Testament was in the tabernacle, in the temple. And now it resides in those who have been invited into their hearts and chosen to follow him. Because it says this in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price, so you must honor God with your body. So God resides in us. But having said that and knowing that, God resides in others as well. When you see someone who doesn't like you or doesn't look like you or doesn't talk like you or doesn't vote like you or doesn't see things like you, God still resides in them. See, Joseph knew that about Mary. He knew that Mary was carrying God. Imagine how if we begin to interact with others the same way that person is carrying God, it would change everything. It would complicate things because then you want to have the other. Then you want to have the person who doesn't look like you, doesn't talk like you. You would see them differently. They are no longer those people. We'd be dangerous because we'd have unity. We'd be dangerous because we would see talents and abilities in God's presence. Now, here's a statement I want you to wrestle with. It's, it's, a, it's amazing to think about because we look at the different things and how we see other people and how they're different from us. We don't see less than we see more than. We don't see less than we see more than. We don't see someone who is different as less because God is more. This is not an either or type of truth. God is not an either or God. He's a both and God. You see what I'm saying there? He is both truth and grace. He is liberty and justice. He is Lord and Savior. He is king and servant. He is all those things. He is more. He is both and. Who are we at our best versus who we are at our worst? We're at our best when we're building bridges. We're at our best when we love unconditionally regardless of our differences. We are at our best when we are not motivated by what we will lose, but what we will gain. When people far from Christ wonder what is different about those who call themselves Christian. When compassion, justice, love, unity are the pistons of the church. That makes a huge difference. 
when we begin to see that the culture takes its cue from what love looks like because of the example they see in the church. It begins to turn the world upside down. You realize Jesus did that? He turned the world upside down. One of his greatest sermons that is ever preached by Jesus is incredible because it's, an, it's amazing to see because it unified. What did Jesus taught? He, he says, if we live this way, it would change everything. In Matthew 5, verses 3 through 12, the Beatitudes, I love what this says. God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice, for they will be satisfied. God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called children of God. God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses when people People mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you. Be very glad, for great is the reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, the ancient prophets persecuted in the same way. That's so profound. So back to those dynasties. All these dynasties had a moment, had a moment of extreme adversity. Someone was in the way. Church, we have an incredible obstacle but an incredible opportunity to be different. Everyone is threatened. Everyone's insecure. Everyone's freaking out. We're all going through the crazy together. Everybody wants their way. My wife and I have a sudden thing we try to teach our daughters. We're trying to raise strong women in our home, a hashtag girl dad. And we're trying to raise strong girls. And we always say to our girls, don't let that crazy make you crazy. Don't let their crazy make you crazy. You be strong and courageous. There's a lot of crazy everyone wants, but what if we turn the world upside down? So I love sports, but also my wife loves theater. And I want to close with an incredible uh, musical I just saw called Come Far Away. And so many inspiring gestures. The musical's based on the day the world came to town. Great book. And it's happened in Gander, Newfoundland, or Newfoundland, if you're from Canada, Newfoundland. It's based on actual events that occurred in Gander, Newfoundland, in a community of 10,000 folks. 38 planes landed on September 11th, depositing 6,595 passengers. What happened next is incredible. These citizens gathered together and expressed goodwill and friendship to all of those passengers. Love was truly on display. What if the church's love was on display like that? I get it. We often feel that persecution is everywhere. But my fear, my hope is that we'll see beyond the persecution. But the biggest thing we should be worried about is what if the church is ignored? The church needs to be different. If you go with culture, you become with the culture, you lose, you lose that influence. What if the church was counter culture. It moved to be, make a difference. Could this be another opportunity for the church to have a dynasty, a dynasty of love, a dynasty of hope, a dynasty that turns the world upside down, regardless of inconvenience, regardless of difference, regardless of what, who they voted for, we're able to make a difference because we're unified. Unity is a team effort. The Holy Spirit 
calls us into that. Easier said than done, but what an incredible opportunity. I want to close with this last verse because I want you to know who you are. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, it says, but you are not like that. For you are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness and into his marvelous light. That's who you are, and that's what you're called to be. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for who you are in our lives. And thank you, Holy Spirit, Thank you, Spirit of God, for what you call us into. Father, with all of our differences, with all of our things and all of our obstacles and all the things that we have in our life and in our culture, Lord, may we see beyond that. And Lord, we're broken and flawed. May we depend on that. May we depend on you to help us see beyond and to love beyond and to make a difference in this world. What an incredible opportunity we have to be the church. Father, we need you. We need you. We need you. And we thank you for being a redeemer. We thank you, Lord, for being with us. Lord, we thank you for giving us purpose. And we thank you that we could be unified under you. We pray in your holy, precious name. Amen. Hey, thank you so much for allowing me to be a part of this. I love you guys. I love your church. I love your pastors here. And I pray that we can always be living out what the church is called to be. So now let's enjoy some baptisms.